Would you pray for our time and worship and the word? Father, again, thank you so much for this new day. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning, my God. Yes. And I want to read from Psalm uh, 16, where he says, You will show me the path of life, mm. and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, Father God. What a blessing, Lord Jesus, that you lead us to the path of life through your Son, Jesus, Father God, because it's through your Son, Father God, that we can find the hope we find life, we have, we find freedom, Father God, and we are here today, this morning, Father God, we are coming together to worship you, to honor you, to love you, Father God, to hear from you, Father God, yes, to Lord. serve you, Father God. So Lord, we ask you this morning, Lord Jesus, that you will speak to us, Lord God, that you would uh, give us uh, wisdom and discernment, Holy Spirit, uh, and Lord, we, we are so happy that you are for us and not against us, Father God, that you give us your son, Jesus, Father, so we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Going to our time of worship.
Yeah. 
Father, Jesus, how we need you, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, that your love endures forever, Lord. And Father, your word declares that it's your desire that none should perish. And so, Father of God, we plead on behalf of our, of our loved ones, of our, of our family, Lord, of our friends, Lord, Lord Jesus. We plead, Father, for their salvation, Lord God. Father, that you would be pleased to reveal yourself to them through your Son, Jesus, God. That you would send forth laborers, God, along their path, Father, to tend to the seed which has been sown, Father. God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would bring forth a harvest, Father a transforming lives, a delivering the addicted, Father, for setting free the captives, Lord. God, we thank you, Father. God, that your blood will cover them, Father. That, Father God, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and that they would be saved, Father. And heaven will rejoice, God. Oh, God, we thank you that the hope that we have in Christ and that hope in you, Lord Jesus, will never disappoint us, God. And here we are yet again on a Sunday morning, on a new day, Father, that your mercies are new, Father, towards us, God. And I pray, Lord, as we gather this morning, as we come, Lord, I pray that, there, that we are hungering for, for, for more of you, Lord God, that, that you would increase our hunger and our thirst for righteousness, Father, for your name's sake, Lord. And Father, we thank you, God, that. Lord, you have given us, yet, God, an opportunity to open up your word, to hear it again. But oh, how I pray, Father, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but, God, that we would be doers of it, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you would lead us, Lord, in our time today, God. God, that you would minister to each one of us. You know exactly where each of us are at, Lord. I pray, God, that we would not shrink back, but, God, that we would, Father, move forward, Father. I thank you that our sin nature, Father, our failures of this week or even from this morning do not have to define us, Lord Jesus, but that, God, we, Father, if we are in Christ, we, O oh God, have been called to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us and, Father, to run the race that is set before us. So, God, may we run the race well, Father, so that at the end we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. We ultimately know, God, it is not in our strength, but it's in Christ and in Christ alone. So, Father, have your way among us and in us and through us this day, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The three R's that we have talked about pretty much all year this year. Repentance, resolve, and to release. From January, the first sermon, and into the next couple of weeks, the three R's. I've been encouraging us in them and hoping, hoping that it is maturing us, that we are growing that we understand what it truly means to live this Christian life. Repentance is just not a one-time little prayer we pray, but it is a lifestyle which we live. And from repentance we come, and, and the second R, to resolve, to make up our minds. 
to, to, to settle on a, a, a path, a, 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 a determination to, to move on from where we've been. Again, not in our strength, but because the Bible tells us and encourages us that we've been born again of a new nature. It is no longer I that should be living, no, but it's Christ living in and through us. We are born again. If we are Christians, we have died to ourselves. And we've been made alive in Christ. The Word of God encourages us that our old selves is crucified to His cross. And so when we come to the understanding that it's His loving kindness that leads us to repentance, remember, I've been encouraging us all year long, it's not God stiff-arming us. (laughs) We're stiff-arming God. (laughs) We're telling God, no, 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 I've got this. I don't need you. That's the condition of mankind. We are in rebellion towards him. We are birthed into this flesh. And this flesh is is something else. It's a beast. It's a complete rebellion to the throne of God. And yet God understands that condition. And we understand that God so loved the world that he gave us one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved. The Bible encourages us and tells us that He first loved us. He knows the condition that we're in. So He's not stiff-arming us. No, He's calling us to His mercy seat. He's beckoning us to come and receive freely. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just have to recognize you're in error. You're in rebellion. So you come and you run to him. And so many times we allow our flesh to draw us away from him. We only focus on ourselves, how bad we are, this or that or this or that. And the first, our first reaction is to pull away from God. But that's not where we belong. We belong to Him. We were created for Him. We were created by Him. He knows the plans that He has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. But when we believe the lies of the flesh, when we believe the lies of the enemy, when we believe the lies of the world system, we run from the only one who knows us. Who knows us? So repentance and then to resolve, to to set your mind, fix your mind and your heart on the things of Christ. Jesus himself says, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross and follow me. He also tells them, consider the cost because it's going to cost you everything. And then finally, the third R that we're going to talk about today. To release, to let go. Here's some quotes I've shared with you over the year, over the past year, yeah. Getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. Decisions sometimes prove to be the hardest to make, especially when it's a choice between where you should be And where you really want it to be. Let God have your life. 
He can do more with it than you can. It hurts to let go, but sometimes it hurts more to hold on. Let go of the past so that God can open the door to your future. When you finally let go, something better comes along. And to heal your wound, you have to stop touching it. These quotes that I hope have inspired you, have, have encouraged you to not settle to remain where you've been, but to get up and be about your father's business. We've got to let go. We've got to let go of the past. We've got to let go of relationships. We've got to let go of things that are hindering our growth in Christ. We're not called to remain the same. And I keep encouraging us. It's not about perfection. It's not about Christian perfectionism, that you have to be perfect. No, no, no. But what it is about is maturing. Are you maturing? Can you look back over the years? Have you seen growth? And that's, again, not in and of yourself, but because of the obedience and the steps that you've taken because of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, this new life is not based on what you're able to accomplish and do or suppress. No, no, no. This new life is solely based on the Holy Spirit God himself in us, Jesus himself says, I have to go away so that he will come. And he's been given to us as our counselor, as our teacher, as our guide. The Holy Spirit, God in us, equipping us to live the life that he has for us. So many times people are struggling in their Christian life because they're doing it within themselves. And that's why Paul tells the church, what are you doing? What are you now trying to live out in the flesh what you received in the spirit? It can't be done. It'll never be done. That is religion. That is torment. Do you know how many people are sitting in churches today tormented? Because they're just not getting it right. And they're trying, and they're trying, and they're trying, and they are, they are exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. And all they need to do is just surrender and learn what it is to walk in the Spirit, to be discipled, to be encouraged, to be edified. Listen, we all, we all in and of ourselves fail. But in Christ, in Christ, we're not failures. Because he didn't fail. He's victorious. So this Christian life can be lived. He's not a man that he should lie. But he's provided everything we need to let go of what is needed to be out of our lives in order to experience the fullness of Christ in our lives. Here's some scriptures I've held up over the past year. Proverbs 4, verse 25 through 27. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. 
Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Get rid of, listen to this, release, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is how we're called to live. Not to make excuses, not, not, not just to go on in our day and, and make it about me, myself, and I, but no, the reality is of dying to ourselves. If the Bible is telling us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, all of this junk, all types of evil behaviors, then guess what that means? Get rid of it. And only you can get rid of it. Only you can choose. This day set before you is life and death. And the Bible says to choose life. Oh, he has given us everything we need, the Bible tells us, to live a godly life. But he's not going to force you to live it. You have to choose. That's how you die to yourself. You choose. No one forces you to act the way you act. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. I've always encouraged us and always told you, as I tell myself, we all have a sad story. But if that's all that we are repeating, then that's how we're going to live. But it has to be about his story. That's why I encourage you, you need to be sharing the gospel to yourself daily. So that as you're sharing it with yourself, you're sharing it with others. You begin to transition from living a life of defeat to living a life of hope. So get rid of. You choose this day whom you will serve. You choose to either abide in Christ or to remain enslaved to sin. But why would you choose to re- choose to remain a slave to sin when he has set us free? Amen. He has set us free. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that per- perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, no, no. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. No, no. Can we all just say that this morning? I have not achieved it. I am not perfect, nor will I ever be. But if there is this one thing that I do, press on and press in. God, can you just be free today as Christians instead of trying so hard? Would you just let go? Would you just release? Like, God, you've begun this work in me. You are faithful to complete it. The Word of God says, 
Lord, that you would not neglect the work of your hands. And Father, I am the work of your hands. So I can rest assured that you are for me and not against me. And God, the areas of my life that I'm still growing and maturing in, you know it. I don't have to hide them from you. God, I'm liberated to live and not die. (laughs) To receive the fullness of what you have for me. To honor you, to trust you, to love you. So I want to get rid of all this junk that so easily entangles me mentally, emotionally. All of those desires that that's where sin comes from. That I don't have to be mastered by it. But I can learn what it means to be mastered by you. If I would just surrender to you. Job 17, verse 9, one of my favorites. The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become, listen to this, stronger and stronger. That's what it's about. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. And when the Bible says, don't worry about anything, you know what it means? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray that pray about everything. And it's so crazy. Sometimes when you're talking to Christians or even when you're talking to yourself or others are talking to you and encouraging you, and you hear that, don't worry about anything. Well, I want to worry about it. I can't be flipping about it. No, I, you don't understand what I'm going through. I have to worry. And then you say, well, let's pray. I don't want to hear you telling me to pray again. I don't want you to hear to tell me this or to tell me that. Well, as a Christian, what do you want to be told? To remain shackled to the flesh and to defeat? To allow worrying to master you? As if somehow that's edifying you, that I'm just going to come sit in your worry, worriness, and, and that's where we're just going to abide? Poor you, poor you, your poor life. Yes, it's horrible. Oh, how's this going to get done? How's that going to get done? And you're just hearing that over and over and over by those that you are surrounding yourself with? That's not how it's supposed to be. No, we're Christians. Are we going to have to endure seasons of worry, seasons of doubt, uncertainty, of being pressed in on every side? Of course we are, because Jesus himself says, you're going to. But he doesn't leave us there. He says, look to me. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. And the Bible tells us here in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. But that seems insensitive. That's all you're telling me to do is pray. Oh, no, no, it's not insensitive. It is helping you to get your eyes focused on who you should be focused on. And if your circumstances never change, you'll be okay. Because he is on the throne. And that's not changing. Find your strength in him. And your hope in him. Trust in him. Tell God what you need 
and thank him for all he has done. Could you imagine if we put that in play and in practice every single day? Tell him of our needs and thank him for what he's already done. It would do us some good to recall who he is and what he's done. It would do good to encourage yourself. I've always told you, it's good to have others in your life to encourage you, but if you aren't doing it for yourself, something's wrong. You have got to fan the flame. You have got to recall how great he is. I always tell you, you can preach yourself happy. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a brother or sister, though we do. But in order to be to maintain the flame being fanned, you can do it. Recall all that he has done. And then listen to what the Bible says will happen. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard Listen to the scripture. The hope that that we have here, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Not in and of yourself, not in your despair, not in your circumstances, but as you live in Christ Jesus. I share with you when I post and I talk to you all about our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted. A little testimony I shared this morning on Facebook. You know, they, 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 the little village, a remote little village, this, this family comes to Christ and the other, their family members throw them out. They take their house away from them. They take everything from them. They're pretty much destitute. They're, they're thrown out to survive on their own. They've got nothing. But yet they have it all in Christ. It doesn't make sense in the natural realm. That's why you cannot try to live out this Christian life on the natural plane by what you can see. Oh, it's by faith. It's by faith. And I've been thinking as I look around, I see all the Christmas decorations, I see people moving about, hustling and bustling, it's the Christmas season, and I'm thinking to myself, do you realize that there's parts of the world that you can't even celebrate the Savior's birth? Oh, how I pray we're not taking it for granted. And we get caught up in everything else, but the real meaning as Christians of why we celebrate this time of year. And don't take it for granted that we have a right and we have, and we have an opportunity to gather, not only to celebrate his birth, but every single day without having to live under the worry or the threat of persecution in a way that our brothers and sisters are enduring. Sometimes when I read these scriptures and, and I hear these testimonies, it's like, God, that's being lived out. I mean, they didn't, they didn't cave in. They, they didn't deny Christ. They, they left. They're humiliated. Their circumstances suck. He can't get a job. His family, he can't even provide for his family. All because they claimed that they have been born again and that they're following Jesus. <laughs> and yet, they worship Jesus in the midst of it. Like, God, 
It's okay. You have us. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't take away what they have to endure. But this peace that we hear about in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, this, this understanding that he's going to guard your hearts and minds, that he has us. Like there's a sense of, of hope that comes from it. And every single day, they can press in and they can press on. God will provide. God will care. It may not come in their timing, but he will. Just think about this past week or even this morning, what you've had to endure mentally. (laughs) Maybe it's physical. Maybe there's a circumstance that's beyond your control. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's whatever that you're facing. Have you given it to God? Are you trusting God for it? Are you asking him? Are you reminding yourself of all that he's done and the peace that is available for you? The problem is so many times people are seeking the benefits of the kingdom, but they don't know the king. So they will never have true peace. They never will come to this understanding of what it means to live a spiritual life. They're just looking for the benefits. Well, and if he doesn't do it right when I want it, then he can't be God. And then all of a sudden, they're here, they're there, they're every which way. <clears throat> and as it is with their relationship with God, so it is with the church. They like the benefits of the community, but they don't like being around the community. <laughs> the same thing. They like the benefits of the kingdom, but they don't like to be around the king. And that is not a Christian, you all. We're born again of the Spirit. We enjoy the presence of the King, and we enjoy the presence of the community, of His body, the church. And we just don't take and take and take, but we we give of ourselves. We learn to serve because in and of our old nature, that is not what we do. Or if we do it in our old nature, the motivations behind it aren't pure. But as Christians, I'm not looking out for myself first. I'm looking out for you. And could you imagine if we all came with that humility? And as we're enduring circumstances that we're there for one another to support each other, to encourage each other, and to edify each other, and to build each other up, and to give freely to the needs within the community. Oh, how I pray for this persecuted family to find a believers in their area, in the remote part of which they live, and that they can enter into a community that they would be built up and receive what they need from God. I mean, there's a way in which we're called to live, you all. John 14, verse 27. Again, I just share this, but we'll hear it again. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is Jesus' words. Peace. Oh, do you protect your peace as you're going through the day? He has given it to you. It is a free gift. And the world cannot give it to you. But in and of our flesh, guess where we're searching for this peace? The temporalness. 
the flesh which is in rebellion towards the living God is not going to turn to God for peace. The flesh is searching for what's out here. And this peace, I keep encouraging us. It's nothing missing, nothing broken. It's a wholeness. And I keep challenging you as I challenge myself daily. Are you living out of wholeness that is from Christ? Or are you living out of brokenness that comes from your flesh? Again, it's choices. What are you choosing? Every moment of every hour of every day. That's why the Bible tells us to take thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of His Lordship. As you think, so you go. You can choose to live out of wholeness. No matter how strong the desires are, no matter how havoc and craziness that's going on in your mind, how it's wreaking havoc, oh no, you can choose. You could choose. You're looking at someone whose mind was a mess, whose desires were a mess. I wouldn't have believed it. I didn't believe it when people would tell me or or share the hope that was in Christ. I only saw what was going on in me, myself, and I. And that may be good for you, but it's not good for me. Until Christ stepped in, revealed himself, as he did with me, as he does with all of us. When you see him for who he is, you submit freely. You're not forced. You you submit. And then that's your position down. You don't get back up. You don't get off the altar. No, no. You are a living sacrifice. And there's a way in which we are called to live now. And I've always told you, from the beginning of my walk, I keep asking him until this very day, and I pray until the day I take my last breath, how now then shall I live? I know what I would do. I know how I would think. I know how I would react. But God, that's not pleasing to you. So then, how am I to live now? Oh, how I pray that you're asking the same. Just don't excuse your bad behavior. Just don't excuse the chaos and the torment and the desires and that rebellious nature. Oh, there's no excuse for it. It is to die. Nail it to his cross. Crucify it there. And trust in the fact that he can and will transform you as you release and let things go. Mark Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you torment. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So don't listen to the lie of the enemy and the flesh and the world system that tells you your Christian life is burdensome, that it robs you, that it enslaves you, and it's nothing but just humdrum. 
No, your Christian life is, should be filled with excitement. Oh, are you, again, are you going to experience the, the deep valleys as a Christian? Of course you are. You're not just going to float around on clouds singing the Hallelujah Chorus all day long. No, you're going to have to endure. Because you, as I've been telling us over the past year, are behind enemy lines. You're, you're living in, in, in this, and you're encased in this flesh that is in total rebellion. You're in the world system that's in total rebellion. And you're, you're the enemy, and this realm in which we cannot see is at total rebellion and at war with the throne of God. But here is what you need to understand today. All of that has been dealt with. It's defeated. Jesus reigns. <laughs> he is victorious. He has completed what he came to do, and now as his children, we are waiting for his return. And again, it would be lovely, and I'm sure we all would agree, if we were God, and then we rescued our creation, that we take him right away. How nice would that be? Your eyes are open, Jesus, and you're gone, up into glory. How great would that be? But that's not his plan. That's why Jesus says, I have to go away. Because there's work to be done. <laughs> like he's in it for souls. He's in it for his creation. He loves us. His wrath is stored up. And oh, there's a day that's coming when it's going to be released. But it is his loving kindness, it is his patient endurance that many would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because you're still here on this earth. Not that it's pointing to you, but it's pointing to him through you. That's why you have to get out of the way. Remember when we read a few weeks ago when Jesus prays to the Father? He tells the Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but protect them by the name you gave me. That brings me to tears. Like, oh God, how beautiful. I would want in a different way. I don't want to have to go through, but just knowing that you know that comforts me. And just knowing that you prayed that I would be protected in the midst of all of this, that you didn't leave me, that you didn't abandon me, but yet you have a purpose for my life. I mean, come on, you all. Have you thought of this? Or are you just living aimlessly, wandering around, Trying to figure it all out. And yet he's made it so easy. Just to come like a child and believe. Believe that he is the son of God and that he rose from the dead. And you can't just like, okay, I believe. No, do you believe? Because I've encouraged you, that is what shapes you now. You can't say, this is my bold confession, this is my belief, but then yet live in total opposite of it. No, it transforms you. It draws you into truth, and it's the truth that sets you free.
In John 8, 36, this last scripture I've shared with you over the year. So if the Son has set you free, you are truly free. And you know what that means when the Bible says that? You're free. That's what it means. Are you experiencing that? Do you protect that? Do you like, well, I'm not... Why am I going to keep settling for something that I know is just going to yoke me up and and, and just captivate me and and, and keep me in bondage? Why would I choose? And again, you have to realize it's not others doing it to you. You're doing it to yourself. It's a choice you're making. And again, he's not going to force us to love him. But he does extend the invitation. Come. Come. So to repent, to resolve, to release. Oh God, how I pray that 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 you're that this is growing, that you're growing in, that you're thinking upon it day in and day out, that you're encouraging yourself, that you're encouraging others. The hope that is found in Jesus. We've been going through some difficult chapters of the Bible in the Old Testament with King David and all the chaos that's carrying on with him and his family, the, the, the trial of Jesus, the, the crucifixion of Jesus. I mean, these are difficult chapters to kind of walk through and look at. But yet, in their difficulty, there's so much hope there. And that's what I've been praying, not only for myself, but for you all. God, I hope again that they're just not words that you hear. Oh, that's a nice little story. No, they just can't be a story in the book. These are actual events that took place. And these are put together, saved for us, so we will know how to live in our day and age. I keep encouraging you. As I encourage myself, you were meant for today. The world is getting darker and darker and darker. The spirit of deception. Again, this is a spiritual war. Mock it all you want. But the reality is it is a spiritual war. And I keep telling you, it is so sad that the occult, the people who aren't even in church, they believe more in that realm than most Christians sitting in church. And how sad. Do you know those people get up every single day and they put in practice what they believe. They go through the day putting curses on people, places, and things. They leave little trinkets that they believe have these powers to interrupt the move of God. They will worship and they will do things. They will fast. They will meditate. They will go into trances. <laughs> and they believe But yet, the majority of Christians, they go to church. (laughs) But you start having a spiritual conversation, unfortunately, with a lot of Christians, and it's like a deer in the headlight. (laughs) Or the excuse is, well, I don't want to be that radical. (laughs) You know, I don't want to, you know love Jesus too much that people then, you know, label me as, you know. And how crazy is this? We are talking about a spiritual realm, the Bible tells us, that we 
are at war against. But it's not about us. It's about Christ. So in and of yourself, you can't battle this. That's why you must be dressed in the armor. That's why you must know God. You must understand the sovereignty of God. You must get to a place, as I've encouraged us, do not learn about God. Do not learn about theology from the enemy, from the world system, or even from your own self. <laughs> All three of those get him wrong. They, they, de- they defile him. They strip him down. And they create him to be what they want him to be. No. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. He's given us his living word from the beginning to the end. Oh, how you should be devouring it. I've told you before. You can just you can see it in yourself. Look how you're spending your time. You could be involved in the conversation. You can go sit and you can watch a movie. And the new thing is to watch reels or TikTok. People will spend hours. And their time will be consumed on stuff that's not building them up. Again, it's that nothing is wrong with those. But if that's, what's, that's what you're consuming, know how you're going to live. And you don't even get tired doing it. You'll go on to the next one. Or you'll sit there and you'll be engaged with Or you'll be in a conversation. It could just be. But you open up a Bible. You come sit in church. You start speaking about the things of God. And watch all the distractions start. You start nodding off. Okay, well, I can't read it, so I'll listen to it. But then as you're listening, you're over here, you're over there, you're this, you're that. Everything is distracting. (laughs) But you have to cultivate that which is right, that which is good. You have to put into practice all that he has given you, (laughs) self-discipline. There is a way in which we're called to live. Again, not because you're forced to. So I've always told you, if you say, well, I've got to go to church. That's how that's what Christians do. We just go to church. Well, then you don't get it. I gotta pray. I gotta read my Bible. No, if that's the attitude, there's nothing genuine. When you recognize this is your all in all, you're not going to miss a meal. You're going to eat it. You're going to devour it. You're going to learn of it. And trust me, I know in the beginning, it's not easy. I've shared with you in my beginning, in my, in my, I didn't have a church around me. <laughs> in fact, when I kept going to churches, I was told, you're not allowed here. <laughs> like, what kind of craziness is that? And I could have held on to my sad story. But oh, no, no, no. I knew all that was taking place in my life was not conjured up by man and conjured up by me. <laughs> So I said, God, it's just you and I, and I don't want to, to, to make it something that you're not. So truly show me, God. I kept devouring it. And I would get tired, and I would get distracted, 
And things would do this and that and this and that. So I had to practice self-control. I would have to get up and walk in that room over there in Yvette's house. Back and forth, pacing. Just reading the Bible out loud to myself. I'm not an educated man. I don't like to read. I don't like to study. And yet here I was. And the words in which I were reading, they were life-giving. Like, what? How could I have missed this my whole entire life? How could I have rejected you? See, when you see him for who he is and you understand his character, like, oh, you're going to hold on tight to him. So as you recognize that you were meant for today, as you understand that as the spirit of the age is rising up, as the spirit of deception is running amok throughout the earth, as you start seeing all that we're seeing and how it is rapidly declining, Christian, don't give up hope. Don't run and hide. You were meant for now. To burn bright. (laughs) Are you going to be hated? Of course. Are they going to make fun of you? Of course. Could your livelihood be turned upside down? Of course. But be of good cheer. (laughs) How can I be of good cheer? What about this? What about... Don't worry about anything. (laughs) But pray about everything. It's always funny. When we start to worry... It's because we haven't been praying. Prayer shouldn't be the last result. <laughs> it should just be who you are. The Bible says pray without ceasing. What does that look like? Oh, what I No, no, just pray without ceasing. Talk, listen, <laughs> ask. Just let it out, you all. That's what I'm really trying to hope to encourage not only myself, but all of us. Live it out because you were purposed for today. Do not let another hour, another moment, another second be robbed from you. Oh, but then what am I supposed to do? Because this, would you just come on and stop it? Because the things that you're attracted to, the things that you're doing, guess what? Haven't produced much in you. You're still stuck in a rut. And that's not what God has. So, repentance resolve and to release. And as we are opening back up scripture, we're going to be going through yet some more difficult scriptures. The understanding is, and the hope that I really hope that you've been gaining over the past couple of weeks as we kind of been walking through this, is this word sovereignty. The sovereignty of God. I'm going to give you the definition. The sovereignty of God. God is supreme, is the supreme authority in all things. And you know what that means? All things are under his control. The Easton's Bible Dictionary defines God's sovereignty as his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. All things, you all. God is in Control And could you imagine if you live that way this week? That God is in control. That there's nothing on this earth. Nothing on this earth. That he's not in control of. 
all of it's working together for good, you all. Is it hard? Yes. But it's for good. It's for good. The temporal mind can't understand that. But if you're living and walking in the Spirit, trust me, you all, it begins to make sense. And then you begin to pray and you begin to intercede and you begin to say, God, how can you use me in the midst of this? That I may bear your image and bring hope to those who are dying. That's what it's about now, you all. It's not about just gathering for yourself, slapping his name upon your life, and it's like, oh, poof, I'm a Christian now. Oh, no. There's so much more. And do you understand the condition of the religious institutions that are out there? Do you understand the messages that people are hearing over and over and over again? They're being lulled to sleep. Again, you have this realm. You have this world system. You even have that which is who you are. The nature in which you were born are at odds with God. But when he awakens you, when you go, oh, because you didn't bring yourself here today. I've always told you, you're not going to wake up one day and go, hmm, today I'll think about God. I think I'll draw close to God. I've talked to people and that's what they've said. Like, I, th- I think I'm, I need to draw close to God. Well, the reality is, is that's great to hear, but the truth is, it's God awakening you, saying, Come out from there. You belong to me. I chose you. I purposed you. I predestined you. I know you. So come from there and come unto me. Ah, that's huge, you all. That's huge. No, God has awakened it. And there's a purpose. There's a plan. There's something far greater than you can ever even imagine for yourself. So why would you keep running from him? Why would you keep denying him? Why would you keep going and going and going away from him when he was pleased to reveal himself to you and to draw you in by his loving kindness? Child, I do not hate you. I love you. And I know you got all this junk, but I've got something so much greater. Lay it down and pick this up. And that's your Christian life. Every single day, laying the old down and picking up the new. How now then shall I live? We saw David fleeing from Jerusalem. His son Absalom has taken the throne. And I can't get it out of my, out of my head as I'm meditating and as I'm thinking through this. And the Bible describes David like he is depressed, like this this king, this, this man of God is out of his mind. He's the, the distress and, and the stress and the oppression and the depression, everything is collapsing around him and in him. Remember, we read Psalm 3. He penned it during this time. 
doesn't mean that you're not going to endure all of that. But it's what you're doing in the midst of all of it that counts. He still had a, a he had an alertness about him. Remember, he sent those guys back and said, you go back and you be my eyes and my ears. So many times in the Christian circle, what we hear is, oh, what they're telling me is I'm not supposed to feel my feelings. I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm doing this, but, but I'm being told I'm not supposed to. I'm not trusting God enough. I'm not this, I'm not that. And we get it so mixed up and people don't know what to do with everything that's going on that they end up just throwing up their hands and walking away. No, we've got to come alongside each other and encourage each other and edify each other and to build each other up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Remain alert. <laughs> make sound decisions. And if you're unsure of the decisions to, to make, then gather your counselors around you that are wise. <laughs> Not worldly, but wise <laughs> of the things of God. And seek him above all. David could have stayed stuck in his poor, sad story. But oh, no, 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 no. He, was, he remained alert. He, he, he used wisdom. And he called upon God. If God is allowing me to go through it, there's a reason. Remember, this one guy is cursing him and carrying on. The, David's man wanted to kill him. David said no. The guy was lying about David. The guy had really, in the, in the natural, had no realm. But David saw Beyond that, he trusted in God. Are you trusting in God's sovereignty? Because when you know God, you're not going to be easily shaken. Doesn't mean you won't be shaken. Doesn't mean you don't have to endure. Doesn't mean that everything that is out here around you is not going to try to crush you or bring you down. But that's when you rely on the truth that you know. This is your mirror. You look intently into it and you don't turn around and forget who you are. No, no, you devour it because then you learn to preach yourself happy. Come at me all you want, but I'm secured in Christ. I may be pressed in on every side, but I will not be crushed. I may have to endure, but it's for my good. Do you see? But if you're not in this, if all you are is a hearer, you don't know how to live it out and to be empowered by him. That's what I'm encouraging you all. So I have these scriptures to encourage perseverance with the understanding of God's sovereignty. And oh, how I pray that you will go back, you will sit down, you will open up your Bible, and you would meditate upon these truths. And ask the Holy Spirit, teach me. I'm not there. I've got a long way to go. But God, each day, teach me. Show me how to make the right choices. To take thoughts captive. To live out this abundant life that you've given me. Because I know it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But you've come to give me life. And God, I want to live. I want to live. Go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. And if, as you're going through your week, if you need time with me or with the 
someone else that, that knows Scripture that can encourage you in it, would you please just take the time? Because it is vital that you are with other believers being edified, being built up. You can't do this on your own. Again, you were not meant to live a Christian life on your own. It's meant for community. And not just when it's convenient for you and your schedule. Oh no, community. Doing life together. The good, the bad, the ugly. Together. We're one. And that's why I've always encouraged you. You need to be a healthy member of the body of Christ because you have been gifted in ways that I'm not gifted or others are not gifted. And so your gifts should be active so the body of Christ is fully functioning. But if you're not activating your gifts and growing and maturing, then you're hindering. The body's limping. The body is crawling. The body is not healthy. You're important to the body of Christ. So I want you to think about what keeps you out of community so much. Because that realm knows. The world system knows. Your own flesh knows. If they can keep you out, the body's hindered. Like you're needed, you all. The purpose And the plans that God has for your life, they're meant to be lived out in community so that we can accomplish what we're all here to do. Because once we get done, we stand before him and say, he says, well done, my good and faithful servants, enter into my rest. And oh, what a day that's going to be. Like this world is not our home. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 3. Verse 3 to 14. All praise, and again, remember, sovereignty of God. As as we hear these scriptures, this is what we're trying to, to gain an understanding on how to encourage us to persevere with our understanding and the reality of the sovereignty of God that he is in control of all things. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before, listen to this, even before he made the world, God loved us. And you ready to go a little bit deeper? And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, look at this, by bringing to us, to him, himself, through Jesus Christ. Now think of all the lies you've heard about God, and think about all the lies that you've even told yourself about God. (laughs) These truths should shatter all of that. He has a wrong, people have the wrong image of God. Because of the nature of God. What's the first thing Adam and Eve did when they sinned? They hid. They knew right then and there, wait, something's different. Here, they they walked with God, they communed with God, they they lived covered by His glory. 
And as soon as they were tempted or Eve was tempted, she bit into it. Her eyes were open. Adam bit into it. His eyes were open. And the first thing to do was to withdraw. Cover themselves. Listen, you all, you were purposed. Listen to these scriptures. Even before he made the world, God loved you. And chose you in Christ to be worldly, crazy, drunken, whatever you want to do, that's how he made you. That's not what it says there. (laughs) He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And sometimes we can see that and we can see our nature so active in our lives and we're like, well, that's too big. I don't understand that. That's not how I'm living. That's just too hard to understand. And so we pull away. Instead of seeing all that he has for us is already done. Can you just hear that? All that he has for you is there if you would just step into it and believe. And I'm not talking about some warped prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the reality of being a child of God. Holy and set apart. Living a life behind enemy lines bearing his image. Because he purposed you. He made you. He, look at this, decided in advance to adopt you into his family by bringing you to himself through your religious works. Nope, that's not what the Bible says. Through Jesus Christ. Listen, the Christian life is not a burdensome life. It's a freeing life, you all. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him, listen to this, great pleasure. See, he's not the taskmaster people makes him out to be. He's not the one stiff-arming man, the created and going, I'm just going to destroy all of them. I, I hate all of them. No. He's drawing you. He's awakening us. As he's done from the beginning and as he'll continue to do to the end. But as it was from the beginning until the end, there's going to be those who are going to throw up their fists and say, no, you're not God. And they have every right. But for those who are in Christ, oh, how you should hear this and how, it should, how you should rejoice. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his, to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness. Oh God, see him for how he describes himself and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and listen to this, forgave us our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along, look at this, with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. Okay, so you're not left ignorant. Here's the plan. 
at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us again in advance, and he makes everything work out according to what? His plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Oh God, there's so much there. His plan is for good. And you say, but there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of junk on this earth. Yeah, because we're behind enemy lines. The flesh knows nothing but destruction. That's why you're not to walk according to the flesh any longer, but according to the Spirit. I mean, think of what you're hearing. That's why David can say, I'll endure this. Remember, I told you, David was forgiven. But God said, your consequences will carry on. Wouldn't it be better if God would have just lifted off the consequences and forgave David and everything was perfect? Yeah, it probably would have been, but God knows best. So David trusted in the sovereignty of God and oh, how we should trust the sovereignty of God. Yes, you are forgiven, but listen, your choices are going to reap the consequences, not because God is bad, no, because in the midst of it all, he will still work it out for his good. And that's what we have to trust in. That's why you can't keep cursing the things from your past that are still looking like they're carrying over in your future. You just can't be in agreement with them anymore. But you can begin to see, okay, these are just consequences of past mistakes, but I don't have to beat myself up over it any longer. God, if I have to endure it, then I will trust the fact that you're using it for your good. Help me to see that. So that, especially David's children, are suffering. They're making their own choices now. But the consequences have affected them. And now they're making choices. But wouldn't it be beautiful that as you're going through it, and as David, David could have rose up against Absalom and struck him down dead. Or David could have fought for his kingdom. But when you understand the sovereignty of God, when you understand the hope that you have in God, no, no, David left. Remember? The men carried the ark. Because the ark was a symbol of of victory that God would, would take care of all of this. And David told those men, take that ark back. His hope wasn't in a little ark. It wasn't in a little trinket. It wasn't in something. No, his hope was in someone. If God is going to bring me back To Jerusalem, so be it. And if he doesn't, so be it. God, we just got to grow up. 
And we just got to be able to rest securely in Him. And know our God. Go, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Oh, I pray that you're going to be encouraged by by the word that we're devouring this morning. Chapter 8, verse 18 through 39. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But each, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we all know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Praise God. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. Don't miss those two words. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Who helps us? The Holy Spirit in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony, listen to that, with God's own will. And we know that God causes, oh goodness, hear this, everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many believers, I'm sorry, among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with who? Himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? (laughs) Oh God, can we just declare this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us when God has chosen, I'm sorry, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is seated is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does it mean that? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. So what is the answer? Well, the Bible says, no, despite all these things, all these things that believers throughout the earth will have to endure, oh God, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Not through our circumstances changing, but through Christ. And so when you grasp this, when you mature to a place, and, and it's a part of maturing, it doesn't come overnight. But you need to mature. Don't make excuses to remain dumbfounded. <laughs> like you have to be purposeful in your growth. You don't want to be stunted. But when you get to this place, look, you can declare, and it just won't be words or a Christian mantra that you're just repeating and over. No, it'll become your truth. Verse 38, and I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, nor even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing, nothing. And you know what that means? Nothing. <laughs> and all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, how the church should say amen. And listen, if you don't have this confident hope, it's available for you. <laughs> it's available. That's why it's important to be discipled. That's why it's important to engage with community. That's why it's important above all that you're learning how to walk in the Spirit. Because I've been born again. I'm not to live a life grieving Him. I'm to live a life now and step with Him. As the Bible says, as you walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's a maturing walk. Again, the goal is to never sin. It's not about perfection. Just that when you do, sin is not to keep mastering you. You easily throw it off. You easily go, wait a minute, I don't belong here. I used to belong here, but I don't belong here anymore. And I can run to my God. Because I have full access to my creator. Because he so loved me that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to deliver me from death to life. Tell me you can preach yourself happy. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. Fifteen through seventeen of chapter one. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. 
For though God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him, and listen to this, for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And we want to go around and make him like he's this weak-willed man who just passes out hugs and muffins. We, 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 we believe in this concept that, that there's no authority, there's no power. It's amazing how, and I remember doing it when I was lost. And God, I thank God for his mercy. Do you get it? Jesus is God. Fully God, fully man. And he came for the purpose of redeeming the created, reconciling us back to the Father. He didn't come to judge the world, no, he came to save the world. And remember, people twist that scripture, and so they try to strip him down as if he's this weak-willed man. Oh, see, he didn't come to judge. He didn't have to come to judge, because the, the Bible says the world already stands condemned. In fact, if you read that scripture a little bit further, it tells you that. No, he didn't come to judge the world. It wasn't time to judge. It was time to save. Because the world already stands condemned. The wrath of God is stored up. So don't go believing a lie. Don't go making him out, treating his blood as something so common that you're just splashing and kicking it up on people. As if it means nothing. Remember, I keep telling you, the devil don't mind. The world system doesn't mind. Your own flesh doesn't mind if you keep him in the manger. Baby Jesus in the manger. Isn't he cute? If they don't even mind you listening to the Christmas story. Because that's your image. He's just a baby in the manger. The world system, the enemy in your own flesh doesn't even mind you hearing of the teachings of Jesus because he's a good teacher. He was a moral man. He did good, but he's not the son of God. Now you're pushing it. He's among many religions and religious leaders. That's what they'll tell you. So you can keep him as a good teacher. You can even keep him On the cross, the world system, the enemy, your own rebellious flesh can gaze upon him. That's Jesus. He did that for me. Oh, so sad. It doesn't matter. That system, the world system, the enemy in your flesh, they don't mind you putting him in the tomb. And having even the knowledge that he died for you. Oh, he came to take away the sins of the world. Oh, what a precious soul he was. But now he's in the tomb. And that's where a lot of people keep him. In the tomb. Oh. Remember what the Bible says. To have a belief and a bold confession. That not only is he the son of God, but that he rose 
from the dead. You see, there's something about the resurrected Christ that irritates this realm you cannot see, this world system that tries to dominate your thoughts, and your own flesh that just desires to live for itself. Because when you talk about the resurrected Christ, it all comes together. He saved mankind. His purpose, not to judge the world, but to save the created man and woman and reconcile them back to their creator. That was his purpose. That was his plan all along. And we just want to make it about going to church. We just want to make it about posting a little here and there. We, we just want to make it about what we want him to be. God help us. <laughs> he is God. He is alive and he is moving. I don't know if you have not spent the eight and a half minutes to listen to that 18 year old girl that I posted. God, if I don't make, force you to sit down and listen to it with me. Her father was a cop. Take the time to listen to this 18 year old girl who has to endure the world systems that you all are enduring. The enemies, the realm of the enemy, her own flesh, because all of this wants to define people. But this 18-year-old girl stood up and gave a eulogy at her father's funeral because he was shot dead by a criminal. Take the eight minutes to listen how an 18-year-old who loves Jesus responds to such tragedy. You want to know about the sovereignty of God in our culture, in our day and age? Listen to her. Because we can read this, but look how someone who is, con- she's living behind where everyone, you're, you're free to live and do whatever you want. Just be religious. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. She loves Jesus. And I said, oh God, protect her by your name. You know what she said? I'll just give you a little snippet. I hope one day that I'll be able to sit down with the man who killed my father. Not to yell at him. Not to berate him. Not to tear him down. But just to tell him about Jesus. I said, oh God. (laughs) You see... Living the Christian life, it doesn't make sense in the natural realm. Is she hurt? Is she angry? Is she, is she, is she still dealing with everything that everyone else would deal with in such a tragic event? Of course. No one takes that from her. She's not even taking that from herself. She's not living in la-la land. The reality is, she, I'm hurting. I'm grieving. My daddy was taken from me. But the reality is, I know that man doesn't know Jesus. And you go, wow. Are we getting it? God, I hope we are. Listen to what scripture just said about him. And we want to make him out to be something that he's not. And then we wonder why the youth of today is running amok. (laughs) They don't know Jesus. Because a lot of the people in their life who say they 
aren't Christians. I'm a follower of Jesus. <laughs> Reveal to them there's no power in Jesus. That was the biggest thing of me before I came to Christ. The biggest lie I believed is that there was no power in Jesus. Because I looked at so-called Christians around me. And I went, mm, those are weak-willed people who don't live in reality. And I was blinded by my own doing, by the world system, and by this realm. But when you see that he's no longer the baby in the manger, he's no longer just a teacher, he's no longer just on the cross or in a tomb that he's resurrected, and that's your belief, and that's your confession, it changes your life. It changes your life. Because now everything has been revealed to you. God's perfect plan from beginning to end. Go to Acts chapter 4. I promise you, I won't keep you here till 5. But Acts chapter 4. <laughs> Verse 23-31. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John, they, they had been arrested, they had been taken in, they had been treated harshly. So here we are, chapter 4, verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. They were threatened. They had to endure for their faith. Now they go back to the community of believers. They are informing them. Listen to how the believers respond. When they heard the report, all of the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. O oh, Sovereign Lord, Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined. Oh, for God's sakes. Listen to what the prayer is saying, what the people are praying. All of your enemies... Yet they never get along on their own, but they're united for one purpose. They hate Jesus, <laughs> your holy servant, whom you anointed. But the believers understand and trust and say, but everything they, these people are doing, all their hatred, everything that's been done and what they will continue to do to us, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will, to your sovereignty. And now, because we understand this, because, God, we are not moved or shaken by it, but now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants, listen to this, 
great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And look at this. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. For God's sakes, it cannot just be a story in a book. These are how real people who went, had to endure real life before Christ, they recognized they were sinners, they received Christ, they're now part of the community of believers, they're being threatened, they're being arrested, they're being beaten, they're told you cannot preach it, you cannot even say his name, if you do, we will extinguish you. Did they run and hide? Did they cower down? Did they, did they just adapt to their culture? Because isn't it funny what you hear a lot today, especially in these religious institutions who call themselves churches, oh, we have to adapt to the culture. We have to change everything so that Christ can be accepted. What lies? The spirit of the age. Deception. Is running amok. Lord asleep. And here we find the first believers. God, sovereign Lord, you spoke from there with David, even before we could go on. You said all of this must take place. So we don't pray that you take us out of it. No, but give us boldness. Give us boldness, God. Because we trust in your sovereignty. See, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. I told you all last week, and you should know, especially if you've been in the Word of God, the age is being set up, and the platform is being laid out, and the carpet's being rolled out for the Antichrist to take his place. See, the enemy has to do his final hip-hip hooray. The Antichrist, he's always countering what God has done. So now the enemy is going to bring forth his Messiah. And the Antichrist is going to deceive the world with signs and wonders in hopes of peace and prosperity, a one-world government, a one-world religion, everything. Who would have thought, especially if you've been around Christians or church, you know, maybe you've heard it over the years like this, but now to see the platform being set, you go, oh, this is crazy. I keep telling you, there's no other religious book, and yet you are deciding to keep running amok in the earth. Do you understand the days and the times and the age in which we are living? And the hope that you can bear to all of those out there. Do not shrink back. Do not cower down. Press in with boldness. As they put me into the CT scan on Friday, my flesh at first was like, oh God, I don't want to go through sickness. 
for what possibly could be the issue. Oh, God, just the thought. I wanted to shriek back in fear. But in the moment, I said, oh, I didn't. I looked up just like this. I had my hands up. And I looked up and I said, what is this that's trying to come plague my mind? I said, oh, no, God. Whatever life is left in this body and whatever I have to endure, God grant me the wisdom and the boldness to speak loud for your kingdom. See, it doesn't matter what comes your way tomorrow. I've always told you. See, these just can't be words when things are going good. Oh, look, I had a good day, so I showed up for church. No, 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 no. Do you believe? See, he can't be God when everything is right. And then you get the phone call or the doctor sits you down or your kids are running this way or that way or life is just whatever. And then all of a sudden he's not God. No, he is God. And we have to remember this. You're in a battle. And I told you, if you're not, if you're not engaged in it, it's already won. It's already beaten you. But you have to engage. Because the reality is, it is one. Because of Christ. So, so you're either one way or another. Oh, how I pray you're in Christ. And you realize the victory is his. It's done. It's done. Go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Oh, how I pray you'll take these, you all, and... Be encouraged. Isaiah 45, verse 7 through 12. God's sovereignty. Listen to this. This is the prophet Isaiah writing on behalf of the Lord as God's given him instruction. I create the light and made the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. Open up, O heavens, and pour out your righteousness. Let the earth open wide so salvation and righteousness can sprout up together. I, the Lord, created them. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop! You're doing it wrong. (laughs) Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, Why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says. The Holy One of Israel, listen to this, your creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. And oh, how the church should just humble herself just a little bit more today. And remember, God, you're sovereign. I trust in you. I hope in you. Go to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16.
33. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Go to Job 42. Job 42, verse 1 through 2. And if you don't know Job's testimony, (laughs) he had it all. Then the enemy said to God, Hey, what about that servant Job? God said, I know my servant Job. Do whatever you want. But don't kill him. His whole family was dead. Wiped off the face of the earth. He lost everything. Sorted everything. He was left to nothing. <laughs> then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you could do anything and no one can stop you. Job did not lose sight on the sovereignty of God. We're ending with these scriptures in Lamentations chapter 3. I've picked apart over the past couple weeks, I've given you some scriptures in Lamentation. This is Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. It's thought that he's the one who penned this book. God raised up Jeremiah. God raised up all the prophets. He sent them in to tell God's people of what's to come. And remember, whenever you see God's wrath, you see God's love. Whenever you see God's love, you see God's wrath. They go hand in hand. God would say, If you continue to go this way, this is your outcome. But if you turn to me, this will be your outcome. God sent forth these prophets, knowing good and well, and the prophets know good and well, they weren't going to be celebrated. They would be murdered. They would be hated. They would want to silence them because no one in their flesh loves to hear that which is truly good. I have a right to live however I want. You don't judge me. That's what the flesh says. That could be your God, but this is my God. I don't see him that way. I take him this way. I have the right. I have the right. I have the Right. Oh, well, you do have the right. But understand, your rebellion towards the living God for eternity, for eternity, you are going to be in a place of utter torment. Do we understand that? It's not just, I close my eyes, that, okay, one day it's over. No, no, no. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. A place 
created for Satan and those fallen angels. And you can demand your right to live however you want, but understand this, in the end, when you take your last breath and you stand before him and he says, I don't know you. Depart from me. That's it. You say, where's God's love in that? God's love has always been there because nothing can separate it from you. The reality is, where was your love for him? You had none. See, it's your choice. He's done everything to reveal himself to you. He didn't come to the world to judge you because he knew you already stood condemned, so he came to save you. And if you reject his salvation, if you reject his son, if you reject the only way that he purposed and he planned before he created the earth, then that is your doing. But God is pleased to reveal himself to you so that you would be saved. So that you would live a life, not just a religious life, you would truly live your life. I, I can't. I can't tell you. Listen, I know you see me on Sunday, and you know, and I carry on. But do you realize I've had? I do this all week long with me, myself, and I. The amount of time I spend and listen, I could just do it for me, and I have meet with y'all on Sunday. <laughs> but it's my desire because I'm called as a pastor to open up the house so that people can come and hear the word of God. To know that there is freedom to encourage. That's why we meet during the week or some, some of you I meet on one-on-one individually. To encourage you to grow in your faith. So that you would live this life. Not because I'm any different than you. In and of myself, I would make choices that are wrong. And when I do make choices that are wrong, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and go, oh God, that wasn't good, I'm sorry. I don't beat myself up. I used to, I used to play the game. I know what it's like. I've been doing this now for 25 some odd years. (laughs) But not in and of myself, but clinging to Christ. And oh, how I pray I will do it until I take my last breath. But this is a lifestyle, you all. And a lot of us haven't really seen it that way. It's not even a lifestyle for us. It's just like, oh, okay. But do you realize what you're missing out on? <laughs> do you realize what you're missing out on? Well, I said a little prayer. That amounts to nothing. If it hasn't changed you or transformed you. Do you believe? Jeremiah, what we're about to listen to, listen, <laughs> it wasn't written when everything was glory and everything's great and life is peaches and oh no no the destruction of Jerusalem was upon them for God's sakes they were eating their children this is the history again it's just not a good little story this is the history God's people are taken captive they have rejected their God and he warned them over and over and over, and because you will not listen, calamity to a degree that you can never even possible imagine is going to fall upon you. 
But praise be to God. <laughs> Even in the midst of that, there's hope. The prophet knew. He grieved. He hated to see what was happening to his people. But he knew one thing. God, if they have to endure this, you're still good. You will bring about something that we can't even conceive because you're God. And you're not man that you should lie. Listen to what Jeremiah penned. And I love, uh, I don't know if your Bible has like little um, titles before chapters, but I love this title, Hope in the Lord's Faithfulness. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walked me in and I cannot walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden, he has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target of his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. And thank God, it's not where he ends. But he's enduring. God's people are enduring. And yet he's still a loving God. But how can a loving God allow such tragedy? He didn't cause it. His people did. You see, we blame him and we point our crooked fingers at him as, 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 as if he is the problem. 
He's the one with anger issues. He's the one who's unjust. And we have all these accusations against him. And he is God. And he has told his people over and over and over and over and over again. And now it's upon them. Do you hear the despair? Do you, do, you, do you get this picture of, oh God. Verse 19. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And are you ready? Let's turn this around. Yet, I still dare to hope. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. Come on. And when life hits you smack dab in the face this week, how are you going to respond? Acting ugly? Caving under all the pressure? Surrounding yourself with those who will only agree, be in agreement with your torment and your sin. <laughs> oh, how I pray the reality of life can suck. <laughs> but the great love of the Lord <laughs> endures forever, and He is faithful. Great is His faithfulness. God, you will see me through this. God, you will help me mature through this. God, I don't understand it all, but you say that you would give me understanding and wisdom. So I pray, God, for that. Like, you, you, you turn, it's your choice on, on who you're relying on, yourself or your God. This prophet could have given up. This prophet could have said, what kind of God are you? No, I don't want to do this anymore. He saw everything. He himself it would be different if everyone else was experienced and he was on the outside going, well, it's not touching me. No, he himself had to endure it. But God, I've been faithful. God, I've done this. God, I've done what you said. No, he doesn't say that. He tells you what he's going through. And then he says, yet still, <laughs> yet still dare, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Oh, do you have confidence in your God? His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. So it is good, it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of His discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. 
Let them lie down, lie, lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies, for no one is abandoned. Oh God, by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion. Because of his greatness, of his unfailing love, for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. If people crush underfoot all the prisoners of the land, if they deprive others of their rights in defiance of the Most High, if they twist justice in the courts, doesn't the Lord see all these things? Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Does not the Most High send both calamity and good? Then why should we mere humans complain when we are punished for our sins? Instead, instead of complaining, (laughs) instead let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven and say, We have sinned and rebelled and you have not forgiven us. You have engulfed us with your anger, chased us down and slaughtered us without mercy. You have hidden yourself in a cloud so our prayers cannot reach you. You have discarded us as a refuge and garbage among the nations. All of our enemies have spoken out against us. We are filled with fear, for we are trapped, devastated, and ruined. Tears stream from my eyes because of the destruction of my people. My tears flow endlessly. They will not stop until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. My heart is breaking over the fate of all the women of Jerusalem. My enemies whom I never harmed hunt me down hunting me down like a bird they threw me into a pit and dropped stones on me the water rose over my head and i cried out this is the end but i called on your name lord from the deep within the pit you heard me when i cried listen to my pleading hear my cry for help yes you came when i called you told me do not fear lord you have come to my defense You have redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong they have done to me, Lord. Be my judge and prove me right. You have seen the vengeful plots my enemies have laid against me. Lord, you have heard the vile names they called me. You know all about the plans they have made. My enemies whisper and mutter as they plot against me all day long. Look at them, whether they sit or stand. I am the object of their mocking songs. Pay them back, Lord, for all the evil they have done. Give them hard and stubborn hearts, and then let your curse fall upon them. Chase them down in your anger, destroying them beneath the Lord's heavens. This is a man of God. Enduring. It's no different than you or I. God is not a respecter of persons. We're going to pick up next week walking through our scriptures from today and the ones for next week. We're going to close out um, the book of John. But God, I hope and I pray that these scriptures that you've heard today would encourage you to lift up your head and know your God even more. That you would have confidence in who he is. 
and what he has done. In the scriptures from today, if we would have had time to walk through them, we would hear Jesus say, it is finished. See, he accomplished everything that was purposed. From the beginning, you all, even before the earth was formed, the cross was purposed for you and for me. See, this is the hope that you go and you carry out. This is the life that you live now as you go, as you're among family, as you're among friends, as you're among your office or wherever you work. You're to be the light. You're to be the image bearer. You're to allow them to say there's something different about you're not the same anymore. Your old friends and people maybe you still hang out with, they're not going to understand why you're not doing the things you used to do. But it's not that you're pointing their, your finger at them and saying, look how bad you are. It's just that, no, you're pointing your, your finger at yourself and saying, no, you know what? It's just, I don't do that any longer. It's not honoring to my God. The hope that I have in Jesus, Jesus has transformed my life. And as he done for me, he could do for you. And they may reject him. They may laugh at you. They may do whatever. And they may pull away from you. You don't have to pull away from them. That's why I always say, we're not shocked. We're not angry at the lost. We're not angry at all. Everyone who wants to choose to live however they want because they have a right. It's not up to me to disrupt their lives. But I do carry the image of Christ. And I am called, as well as you, if you're a Christian, to share the good news. What they do with it is up to them. But oh, how the people of this age should start seeing the church confident in her husband and her bridegroom because he's coming back for us. And this is the hope that we have, you all. And oh, how I pray that you have it. I'm going to close this with this last song and then I'll close this in prayer.